It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. There are wonderful quilters all around the world, and I had the privilege of visiting with Joyce Sims while she is in France. I want to thank my sister, Lois Gillette, for connecting me with her friend, Joy. Joy has been able to use quilting to connect with people in France. I love how she was able to share with me the fact that sitting across the table from someone with a needle in your hand and working with a piece of fabric somehow opens up a door for a conversation that goes deeper than just what you're doing. glad you could join me on A Quilter's Life today. Well, I am so glad to be here, especially from so far away. It's amazing that you could be so far clear over in France and we can still chat over the phone. Yes. Let's start at your beginning. Where were you born and raised? I was born in a very, very small town in Pennsylvania and raised my whole life in Pennsylvania, though then my parents moved and we were close to the New York State line. So actually a lot of my life was spent in New York State. My church that I grew up in and my high school did almost all my schooling in New York State because we were so close to the border. Wow. Do you have a special childhood memory? Well, yes. I have one sister and a brother. I'm the middle child. And my parents always did special things. We never had a lot of money, but we never knew that. Mm -hmm. And my mom and dad were really great about making memories for us as kids. And I think some of my happiest memories are times when we went camping as a family. My dad built actually like a camper, a fold-out camper, and we would pile into the cars before you had to wear seat belts and car seats and all that. And mom would make us a special box of books and maybe games that we couldn't look at or touch until we got into that car ready to go on a trip. So it made going away so much fun. And then we always played a lot of games as a family when we were camping. They were simple vacations, but those are really happy memories that I have. Oh, neat. How special your mom took that time, because you knew it took a lot of time to put all that together. Yes. This podcast is finding out about the people behind the quilts, so finding out about you. Um, who would you say you are? Hmm. Well, that's a very good question. This goes a little bit into why I do what I do, I suppose, why I quilt. But uh, back in 1988, my husband, Mark, and I and our son moved to France to work with the evangelical church here in a role of starting evangelical churches. And as a foreigner in a country where you don't speak the language very well at first and you don't understand this. France seems a lot like America in some ways, but actually it's very, very different. 
And so you're trying to understand the mentality of the people you're trying to get to know. And you look for ways to build bridges, I guess, make friendships. And I have always enjoyed doing things with my hands, always. I started with, like, needlepoint, stuff like that when I was a kid. And then I did a lot of county cross-stitch. And I always wanted to learn how to quilt. So back in 1992, I thought, well, this would be great if I could kind of teach myself how to quilt. I had a friend who sent me some information. She had taken a class, and she sent me some of her class notes. And at the time, we were working with a church that had some struggles. It was hard to build relationships even between them. And so I thought, well, maybe it would be a good thing for women if we could start a quilting group. And it would just, just provide an opportunity to talk while you're doing something and maybe invite people who didn't know anything about God and might have an interest in talking about God at the same time. So that's how my quilting got started. I actually put a block together the morning of the first time we met as a group, and then that night I actually taught how to make that block, which I didn't really know anything about what I was doing, but little by little I just kept uh, teaching myself. Whenever we would go to the States, I would try to take a class wherever I could. I learned that I could learn from a book. I didn't think I was able to do that, but I would read how to make something and then I would do it because at the time there was no YouTube or anything like that. So that's how my quilting started. And these groups just grew because it was a wonderful opportunity for women to spend time together and get to know each other. And one thing led to another. I started having more groups, and then eventually I was contacted and asked to start teaching um, in, like, community centers. In France, people learn how to do things in the context of clubs, and they kind of feel like they have to have someone who's a quote-unquote expert teaching them. Well, I was far from being an expert, but I did have an American accent help, so <laughs> in one place that helped. And so I was contacted, and I actually was given permission from our mission to take this job. I only taught one class, and I... It wasn't like I made huge money from it or anything like that, but I made friends in that class that I still have now, and that was over 20 years ago. And then eventually we moved to another area of France, and I started again teaching in different clubs. And since 2010, I became a self-employed person. I actually have a, like a, a, I pay taxes and have my own business with one person in it, one employee, me, (laughs) and I teach quilting. Currently, I have about 60 students, and then I also do long-arm quilting for people. So that's kind of my business, if you will. But all of this was for the purpose of giving me a way, an avenue to get to know women, and it's been wonderful. I have made some wonderful friends, and I've also been able to share the most important part of my life, which is my relationship with the Lord Jesus. And so that's been such a blessing for me, and I have grown to love so many French quilters through all this and so thankful for the opportunity. How wonderful. Probably it was a long answer to your question. (laughs) I think that covered several of my questions. Thinking of teaching others over there, have any of the students gone on to do a lot more with their quilting? Well, in a professional sense, no, not that I know of. I have people in 
my classes. We we moved actually to where we live now. We live outside of the the second largest city in France, which is Lyon. We moved here in 1999, and I started teaching in 2001 here in different clubs. And I still have the same people in my classes for almost 20 years that are, <laughs> you'd think they'd get tired of doing things I propose, but they don't. So they're accomplished, very accomplished quilters, because they know how to do all kinds of different techniques and things. But I don't know of anyone who's like gone on to sell anything or there aren't that many like competitions here. Yeah. And so we, I don't know of anyone who's submitted a quilt in a, some kind of a show because there aren't that many. Uh, the French generally really like modern quilting, almost like we would call textile art. And I don't particularly like that. So I do a lot of traditional quilting and that's what my students like. I suppose it's because of that's what I propose for them to do. <laughs> so a lot of times those types of quilts aren't what are accepted into quilting competitions, if you will, that are judged by a panel or something. Okay, we'll jump back. You mentioned needlepoint, but were there other crafts that you do or have done besides quilting? Well, when we first came to France, I tried to learn how to knit. My mom has always been a big knitter, and I tried to learn how to knit because that was a big thing at the beginning when we first came to France, and I did manage to make a sweater for my son when he's like three years old, but I never really enjoyed that so much, and so that was kind of a flop. And like I mentioned, I did a lot of counted cross-stitch mm-hmm. at a certain point, but frankly, once I discovered quilting, it became such a huge... Uh, passion for me that I kind of don't really like to do anything else but so maybe that's not good I do like to cook but <laughs> but that's not the same thing <laughs> well it can be considered a hobby yes so you also mentioned who introduced you to quilting um, your friend sent you information well and also my sister who was always a very accomplished seamstress. She moved with her husband right after she was married to Ohio, and she didn't know anyone, and she was a nurse and had some time um, when she wasn't working. And she took a quilting class. She was actually the first one of us, between my mom and my sister and I, that started quilting. So that sparked my interest because she was doing it. And then my mom started about a year before I did, I think, around the same time. So... Then I began, but I think a lot of it was my mom and my sister's influence. And then I also realized after a couple of years that one of my really good friends in Kansas, where we would go when we were home, a, a church there that supports us, she was a great quilter. So I learned so much from her and her friends. I was very inspired by American friends that I had that quilted, plus my own family. And my sister has just recently picked up quilting again. She just never had time after she got really into her nursing career to do it, and she's picked it up again now. So it's kind of nice to be able to share that with my mom and my sister. Actually, it's wonderful to be able to do that. Nice. I was wondering about the fabrics. Can you find quilting fabric in France, or do you pick up a lot when you come back to the States? Well, it's very difficult to find quilting fabric now. It seems that Maybe about 10 years ago, there were some quilting stores, 
even in our city, but they've all closed. I think the internet kind of put them out of business. It's cheaper to buy fabric in the States and have it shipped over here than it is to buy it here because most of the quilting fabric was about $24 a yard at the time. Wow. So, of course, you're not paying that when you, even if you have it shipped over here from America, it, it doesn't cost that much. So, frankly, I often encourage my students to order online just to save them money. Plus, now it's very difficult. There, there are quilt shows here. There's several during the year, and there's vendors that come and sell at that time. So you can find things, but it's just a lot more difficult and a lot more expensive. Wow. Is the cost of living over there overall more expensive? Well, I used to say yes, but I'm, I think things have gone up in the United States, so I'm not really sure exactly how to answer that. We've been here for over 30 years, so it's a little hard yeah. to say, but I think food used to be a lot more expensive here, but frankly, I think food has gone up terribly in the United States. And I think generally the salaries are lower here, but yet more things are covered by the government. There's, you know, socialized medicine. Of course, that comes out of their pay, so their pay is less, but they have advantages maybe that Americans pay out of their own pocket. Like there's, wow, there's a lot of different social programs here. Okay. I think for quilting, it's because quilting is not very well known. The French, it's not part of their history like it is part of the American history. The French women always did a lot of embroidery, and they do just beautiful embroidery. As a matter of fact, I try to buy old French linens that are monogrammed. They do the most fabulous monograms, or they did. They These were grandmothers. They don't do that anymore. And most young people don't want these things that are in their family, so they're sold at, like, goodwill stores type thing for very inexpensive. And I like to take those and I like to quilt them like a napkin that has a beautiful monogram on it, a white napkin. I will put it on a fabric and quilt it with feathers and all different things to save it and put it in its rightful value because the work is just absolutely beautiful. And they would embroider their sheets and so many just beautiful things, but nobody wants them anymore. So I have quite a stock of those things now that I'm making into different quilted items, too, because I just think they're so beautiful. Wow. But that's yeah. their history, Yeah, not not like ours. So, But you do think of the time that went into those. That's amazing. Oh, yes. And it kind of breaks your heart to see it sold at a goodwill store for hardly anything when you think about all the time that that lady put into doing that for her for her hope chest it kind of makes me sad yeah so i'm glad that i can take them and do something to save them Uh uh-huh do you have a favorite quilt or pattern you like to use can you describe that well and kind of strange i suppose but my all-time favorite block is the churn dash block and I don't really know why. I just really like that block. So I've done quite a few churn dash quilts. As a matter of fact, I made one with a very tiny churn dash that I had to paper piece it because it's made with little squares that ended up being only half inch big. And then I was able to take one of these old handkerchiefs that was embroidered and use that in that quilt with some applique on it. But I don't know why. I just really like the churn dash block. Neat. My favorite 
thing to do in quilting, my favorite part of the quilting is applique, actually. I love to hand applique, and I love to do needle turn applique. I don't like to piece by hand. Frankly, it kind of stresses me out to have to piece by hand. Mm -hmm. But I, I really love to do the handwork of the applique. So I like to do quilts that have piecing and applique in them. I just really enjoy that. Oh, neat. How about a favorite tool? Oh, boy. Favorite tool. Um, I think that I really love the rotary cutter. I know that that is well, it's a standard tool now for quilters, but I, I love my rotary cutter and rulers because I just love the precision of cutting that way. Well, I guess that would be it. Like I said, I do like to applique, so there are needles that I really love. A certain brand of needles. They're called tulip needles. They're from Japan, and they're very fine needles for applique. I really like using those, so that would be another favorite tool, I suppose. Oh, yeah. You mentioned you really enjoy the applique, so I assume that that's part of your favorite part of the process is putting the applique on? Yes. If you just talk about the process of when you start a quilt, when you choose your fabric and cut and sew and then all that. I love all the parts of that. I love choosing fabrics, the colors, putting the fabrics together. Piecing by machine, I do a lot by machine, really is relaxing for me. I really enjoy doing that. I love, if there's applique, really love doing that. I don't like putting the sandwich together just because I have to get on the floor usually to do it, and I don't like that, (laughs) but I do it. Sounds strange, but I really love the very end after you've sewn the binding on and you're sewing the binding on by hand Mm -hmm. on the back because it's finished. Your quilt is really going to be finished when that part's done. So I really like doing that. Probably a psychological thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, that's a special time. And I've heard a lot of people say they take that time sitting, hand sewing, that they're praying for the person the quilt is for. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then I had one person tell me, uh, he's called the quilting cowboy here in the States, and he said he likes taking it out of the dryer. Oh, <laughs> okay. I never thought of that as part of the process. No, me either. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what was your worst quilting experience? Well, this is kind of a... Well, I'll just explain it. I was trying to design a quilt for one of my classes. I used to organize quilting weekends, and I was trying to design a quilt to propose as a project for a weekend. I was making different basket blocks and then putting them together. And and so I was working on it late at night, like too late at night, and I went to trim it. And for some unknown reason, I cut off one side, like all the points of my baskets. And so it was ruined. So I threw it away and I thought, okay, I'll start over again tomorrow. I threw this quilt top away, which was Anyway, the next day, I thought, I can't throw this away. I've put so much work into it. It wasn't a big quilt. It was like a wall hanging. But I pulled it out of the trash, and I put it aside, and I made something else for that weekend. But then 
I took that quilt and I added borders to it, and then I appliqued flowers and stems and leaves over everything that was ruined, so you couldn't see it. It was like it was supposed to be like that, and I called it a quilt that was ruined. In French, you say recuperated, but I don't know that that's the quite the right English word. Like redeemed, I guess, ruined yeah. and redeemed. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't mention this earlier, but for a couple of years, I did actually have a quilt store here in France that I only stayed in it for two years, but we hung it up in the store as a decoration. And it was the most requested pattern of anything we had in that store. But I didn't have a pattern for it because you really couldn't make a pattern because you would have had to ruin it, you know, cut it off and ruin it. So that was my worst experience, but actually it was a great lesson because I think it's like such a great picture of our life with God, you know, we can think we make mistakes and we go the wrong way or we really mess things up, but he is always so wonderfully redeeming and can take our our failures and make something beautiful out of them when we don't expect it. Not that that excuses us for making wrong choices or anything, but he always wonderfully able to make beauty out of ashes, like we say, but that's what that quilt means for me. Neat. Why do you make quilts? Well, I suppose mostly because it's a way for me to express my creativity. I just love all the colors and the fabrics and I love the whole design process. I have designed some quilts, but I do a lot of quilts from other people's designs. I don't know. I love all that part of it. It's just a way for me to, like I said, express my creativity. So that's that's really why I make quilts. And I love to make them as gifts. I do give a lot of things away, make a lot of baby quilts and things like that. But for me, it seems like a quilt provides warmth or beauty in your home, but it's also, for me, a way to say to someone, I care about you and I took the time to make this for you because it's an expression of who I am and just a way to say I love you. I guess that's that's why I do it. Definitely. Neat. Who do you usually make them for? Frankly... Sometimes I feel it's rather selfish, but a lot of the quilts that I make, I end up keeping because I have made it for a class, and then it's a class that I can teach. And since I have so many different groups that I teach for, a lot of times I save my quilts because it's a sample that I can use then for a class. But I have made quite a lot of quilts for friends in our church who maybe are ill or have had some kind of a struggle Like I said, I try to make a quilt for babies when they're born here in our church. In France, when you're invited to someone's home for dinner, it's just very customary to bring a gift. And instead of taking like a bouquet of flowers or something like that, I prefer to make a small table runner or something that they can use. And so I've done a lot of that. It's not, since quilting isn't very well known here, you're not always so sure if the person is going to appreciate it. Yeah. Because they don't know it like Americans do. Even if I'm making a baby quilt, I usually try to find out beforehand if someone knows if the mom will like it or not before I do it. I don't want her to feel like she has to say she likes it when she really doesn't know what to do with it. 
we are looking to retire eventually here from France and return to the States. And so before we leave, I'm sure I will give more of my quilts away just as a remembrance of me to special people. Yeah. Cool. Do you have a tip to share with me? I would encourage quilters, even if you're experienced, to look at what other people do, to look at a lot of... I use Pinterest. I look a lot of quilts on Pinterest. And I, I really have grown and learned like to stretch myself in ways that with colors or designs that I might not have thought I liked because of seeing what other people do. I think we can learn so much from each other. I I don't know if if you know who Kim Deal is, but she published quite a few books in the States and she does a lot of applique with piecing, mixing the two. But she has a very unusual way of putting colors together and things that I never would have thought would go well together. They look beautiful. So I've tried to learn to just kind of go out of the box a little bit, not be so trapped in the way I think it's going to look good or the colors that I think should go together. So I would just encourage everyone to just go to shows and look at what other people have done and take inspiration from from each other, from the creativity of other people. That's a great tip. You were talking about making like a table runner. Mm-hmm. It made me think, I just did an interview with Elizabeth de Cruz, and she had spent some time in... Korea and okay. learn Pajagi and it, it's like quilting but it's it's finished on both sides so you don't have to sandwich it and that, that made okay. me think of that as a table runner I would think that that would be smoother and, and what did you say it was called again? It's called Pajagi Okay I haven't heard of that, I'll have to look it up Yeah, there's link to her website on on my website under her episode. I've not heard of that, so yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah. And just mention one other thing, and that's that during the the lockdown that we had in France, I started a YouTube channel. It's something that I wanted to do eventually when we returned to the States so I could keep a good contact with all the quilters that I know here and be able to continue to, I don't know, just give them tips or maybe teach them a technique or whatever. And since we were locked down for two months here, I started it early and I've only put seven videos up yet so far, but it's not really, I hope it grows a channel, but it's a way for me to be able to keep in touch with, with all my friends here eventually when we get back to the States. It's in French, so it's not always very... (laughs) appropriate for Americans, but actually the next thing I put up, I'm going to put a document in English that people can download with what I've said, because I've had requests to do it in English, but I'm kind of technologically challenged for these things, so it's hard enough for me to do it in French. I don't know how to do the subtitles and all that stuff yet, so maybe someday, but for right now, I'm not. I'm just doing it in French. Well, honey, if someone wanted to take a look at that, where would they find it? Well, the the name of my channel is called Joy, my first name, Joy, and then Patchwork, because that's what they call quilting here is Patchwork, and then Tuto, which stands for Tutorial, 
and it's just T-U-T-O. So it's just those three words, and you just would type into the search in YouTube, Joy Patchwork Tuto, and you would find my channel. The first thing I put on there was how to make a mask, because it was right at the beginning of the confinement, and everyone was trying to make masks here like they were in the States. So that was the first tuto I put up first tutorial. Mm -hmm. And then since then, I've done a small table runner and some, I also, since I really love to do long arm, I don't really have a long arm. I have a mid arm machine. I have a handy quilter, Sweet 16, but I love to do uh, free motion quilting. So I put one video up on how to do a modern feather and then there's other things up there yet. So Neat. Can you tell me how to say a quilter's life in French? Uh, in V, une would be U-N-E, une, V, V-I-E. The patches, we say patches. It's not really a French word, but it's, I mean, it's pat, patch is kind of like what they say for quilting. Well, they just say patchwork is quilting. And patches is a quilter, a, a female quilter, patches. Une vie de patches. Okay. Cool. Is there anything else you'd like to share with me? Well, I would just like to say that I think uh, quilting, the thing that I love about it here in France, has really helped to build a community between people. And I think that's really lacking in our world today. Maybe less in the States, I don't really know, but here people are quite isolated. It's not easy to make friendships. And quilting has, not only for me, but has allowed, well, me to meet a lot of people, but also for those people to meet a lot of people. And when I see people who got to know each other in one of my quilting classes become really good friends, that is very satisfying to me because people are lonely mm -hmm. and people need other people. Well, mostly people need the Lord. And I have seen some of my dear friends come to know the Lord through this, but it's just a great relationship builder. I found that the simple fact of sitting across the table from someone with a needle in your hand and working with a piece of fabric, it somehow opens up a door for a conversation that goes deeper than just what you're doing. because. I always tell people when I start quilting that in French, quilting starts with a P. They call it patchwork, and that starts with a P. And I say that it's the main thing about it is partage, and partage means sharing. And that's what, for me, is important in quilting, is the sharing, not just of the quilting, but your life, sharing with the other person, sharing their joys, sharing their sorrows, being there for them. And that's what I try to do in my classes. That's the atmosphere that I try to build in my classes. No gossiping. We don't talk badly about our husbands. Mm -hmm. I don't put up with that. It's just time to to share your life and to be there for somebody. So I think that's why I really love quilting. Neat. Well, thank you so much for sharing with me today. I still appreciate it. Well, I really appreciate being asked. It's a real honor. I mean that, too. Thank you. Uh-huh. Okay, bye-bye.
so glad you joined me for this episode of A Quilter's Life. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. If you're enjoying this podcast, would you consider leaving a review as it helps others to find the show? Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website or a Quilters Life Facebook group to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.